This is Steve Simone, and you're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Now you can purchase and print your gift certificates online. Just go to yuckyucks.com and click on gift certificates. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What is going on, my little yuckamania? Was that too hard? Was that too was that too boisterous? Was that too forward of me to just yell at you at the intro of the podcast? My apologies, folks. I didn't mean to come off harsh and and uh, I get excited with these things because every week it's uh, it's great conversation. Speaking of which, folks, did you guys get a kick out of the Brant Tobler episode last week? I'm telling you, I like doing these way back Wednesday or these throwback Thursday type of episodes where I've, I've you know, had a chance to speak uh, to some of these comedians and, uh, and you know, their interviews from uh, kind of from our archives and uh, they're dynamite. I get to interview so many great talents and, and so many funny comedians. Brant Tobler, as you I'm sure have heard last week, had such a crazy tale of, you know, life in Vegas and breaking into Mike Tyson's house and, and just crazy shit. I love that stuff. I love listening to those types of stories. Just like when I had uh, uh, Sam Tripoli on, you know, or Steve Simone or, or, or you know, Burt Kresher. Like these guys, when they start talking about the old days, they start talking about, oh, when I came up here and I did this, you know, uh, you know, show with this guy, or we were all in a van and we traveled across the country. Like those are dynamite stories. Those are just like legendary. And so when I get to sit down with people and, uh, and, and get to hear those things, I'm just like the fan of me comes out. I, I love, I love listening to that stuff. I love tales of comedy. Um, and, it, but with that being said, uh, it also is important to me to shine a nice spotlight on people that, don't have that much time in the industry or are just coming up or are amateurs and what have you. And amateur is a very loose term. In my mind, an amateur comedian is someone who uh, does it on the side of their regular job. And it is kind of like a, I'm not going to say a hobby, but I'm saying like, it's, it's not your bread and butter. It's not your gig. It's not your main gig. And you're not supporting yourself through comedy. And I know, I know there's a lot of headliners out there that don't support themselves off of comedy alone as well. They've got jobs and all that type of stuff, but I'm talking about for the most part, you know, every weekend you, you know, most headliners are out and about or they're doing shows or, or, or what have you. I'm talking about guys that, you know, guys and girls that are out there three, four nights a week, humping it out at the clubs, trying to vie for a guest spot, trying to get on an amateur, trying to get an open mic like we have so much talented individuals that are amateur, considered amateur comedians, that when I see them perform, in my head I automatically think, "There's no way this guy's a, you know, this guy's an amateur," or "There's no way this girl who just, you know, killed it up on stage is an amateur," but they are. And I've had my, uh, you know, obviously I've been talking to you guys a lot about uh, the amateur competition I've been hosting, and it's such a great. Uh, experience for me to get out there and not only meet uh, such you know great up and coming talent, but it's also to see you know have your finger on the pulse of the local comedy scene, which is dynamite. Anyway, I digress. 
I got a chance to sit down. I was just some background story to this uh, entire scenario, but I was talking to uh, my producer, Kira, and she was saying, you know what? Maybe we should do some podcasts with some of the folk from the Yuck and Commerce uh, contest that you're doing. You know, meet some of the local uh, comedians, the ones that are that are you know looking to get their foot in this business and make a career out of it, and I thought you know that is such a great idea. Why don't we sit down? I know we've done segments before, the yuck and comers segments, where we've got you know younger comedians come on the show and we talk and we bullshit and everything. Well, this is a chance for me to sit down with two semifinalists. Uh, and my guest today is a very funny Alan Cho and the very, very funny Amy Bug, both who were semifinalists this evening at uh, the Yuck and Comers. Unfortunately, they did move on to the next round, but I've known these two for years, and we finally got to sit down and just talk comedy. And I hope you guys enjoy it because I, a big part of this business is, yes, the stories, the experiences, the comedians, the headliners, the people that have been around and all the wonderful things about comedy. But there's also a very different side of this business. And those are the people that are out there three, four nights a week trying to live out their dream. And you got to respect it. I, I, I respect the hell out of people that do that. It's very difficult. As you'll hear in this interview. You know, Alan is a family man. He's got kids, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of people out there. I mean, there's, you know, people up on that stage tonight on the amateur one that are dads and, you know, they're out there trying to do what they're passionate about. And when I see people follow their passion, I see people pursue their dreams. It's very inspirational to me because some of those comedians up there, they're not 19, 20 years old. These people are like in their 40s. Uh, there's been some comedians that I've met that are in their late 40s, uh, possibly 50s. I, I don't, I don't ask, but I mean, I, I've you know, I've done some snooping around on Facebook and stuff. But you know, anyway, point being is that they're out there living their dream, following their passion, and uh, they're not getting. You know, maybe they'll get a couple of bucks here and there. It's a tough, unforgiving business, but it's one that uh, I really respect because you can't. Talk your way out of it. You can't con people into believing that you're funny. You can't create a persona and uh, this this fakeness about yourself and let that carry. You have to let your talent speak for itself. And you're either going to make it or break it up on stage because you might get one crowd that is that is you know patient with you or support you if you bomb and they will laugh at jokes that aren't funny. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen some crowds get very ugly and they hold their comedians to a certain level of honesty. And uh, it, that's, it's a tough business. It's a very tough business. So to meet amateur comedians and see people young and old following their dream, it's inspirational to me. And uh, it, it, uh, it reminds me of being humble. And it also reminds me of why I got into this business is my love of comedians and, and what they represent. So without further ado, let's go talk to Alan Cho and Amy Bug. It's two well, years? Two years, probably? Two years, yeah. Has it been two years already? It's been two years. Oh, whenever we 
did that podcast with Ben, whenever that. That's happened. right. Remember that with Brandon. I just looked at that picture the other day too. I was like, oh my god, that was such a great podcast. So many me- podcast, <laughs> memories. <laughs> podcast <laughs> memories. Alan is uh, the uh, <laughs> is the white unicorn, the uh, the elite golden fortune cookie. I have not been able yeah. to nail down on a podcast as of. That's yet. right. We keep trying to get together, and it just doesn't work out. It, it doesn't work out. Let's start off with you though, Alan. How long have you been doing comedy for? I think five and a half years now. Five and a half, five and a half years. years. Yeah, too long. Wow, man. So let's start from the beginning. Where are you based out of? You're obviously in Calgary, but were you born and raised here? Born and raised, representing what? 403. Get out of town. Like the only person left. I know. Calgary, I know. What's up with that? It's like Vegas. You know what's it's funny? Is like I was, uh, my, my girlfriend at the time and I were going to move, uh, and then she got pregnant, and then we stayed. Then you stayed? Yeah. Where, like, where was the move going to be? Either Toronto or Vancouver. No shit. Yeah. Now, was that to further your career? Was that to... That was How for was the Herkirk. She was a religious studies scholar. Right. And she was going over there for their master's program. Oh, no way. Uh, but then, yeah. Wow. But then she got pregnant and the hormones, you know. <laughs> the old baby. Oh, you baby. Oh, you ruined yeah. her life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Amy, what about you? When did you start comedy? Uh, just three years ago. Three years ago? Yeah, three years ago. So, and, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's an interesting uh, uh, situation, whereas... I get to meet a lot of uh, amateur comedians. I get to see a lot of the, the local scene here. Is there, do you think it's enough of a local scene that makes you guys happy? Do you want to move to larger markets? you want to go to Toronto? you want to go to Vancouver, those places? Oh, yeah. Is that, you is just that gotta, what we always talk about, right? you like, got to play with someone who's better than you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and like, I, I remember uh, I, I was, you know, really big into uh, taking uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I used to ask my coach all the time, who do you train with? And he said, I'd fly down to L.A. to get yeah. my ass kicked. Right. You know, you always got to be with someone who's going to make you get to that next level. Yeah. Is that how you guys feel about comedy, though? Uh, I think it absolutely applies. Yeah. 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 Capoeira, that's how I always see it. Cap- yeah. Capoeira, that's how I always see it. That's the immediate. <laughs> da- you dance around the fire and you do some party kicks and stuff? Yeah. I, you know, it's just always like, I, I think Calgary's scene um, is growing. Right. The frustrating thing is just like, I know, Brandon... Tonight, who's in the contest, is moving to London. And I always think, like, there's such great uh, different perspectives that you, that weren't in Calgary comedy when I was starting out. Sure. Right? Like, it was very, uh, very white, very male. And now there's all these different voices. It's always sad to see that, like, leave. Right? right? And so right. it's just you're waiting for that next batch of... Uh, up and coming talent. Yeah. 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 Who, who was on the scene when you first started that, that you were rubbing elbows? Is it the same people now? No. I You know, I, my, my people were uh, Chris Griffin, who's moved to Van? Vancouver, doing great stuff out there. My friend uh, Brent, also doing, Brent Constantine, out in Vancouver, doing great things. Uh, my friend, uh, my, we used to be writing partners, just briefly. Right. Uh, Amanda Brooke Perrin over in Toronto now, doing great things. It's just, it's always great to see people... Uh, to, you know, leaving me, reliving that, reliving that, uh, yeah, just, you know, just reliving that moment where dad's going out for milk for one last time, just over and over again, never getting the milk. Amy, what about you? Who was on the scene when, when you started? Was there people that, that mentored you or you looked up to, or, or was it kind of trial by uh, fire? I mean, outside of me, of course. Oh, yeah. Outside of Alan, of course. The Mr. Guru. Chair right Yoda. here. Uh, yeah, I mean, Laura Gibbs was obviously a person, was like one of the very first people that said, hey, you know what, you should keep doing this. Right. And, um, like I started with Brittany, 
And it's like, I don't know if I would have kept doing it if I didn't have like a female buddy to keep going with. Yeah, have you found that it is, is, was that like a, uh, was that an intimidating thing for you to be a female comic in a, in a mostly male dominated? Yeah, I mean like, I get a little tired of being the only lady on the show. Yeah, I mean out yeah. of eight tonight, you were just the one. Yeah, no, and that's like, that's common. It's pretty standard. It's pretty standard these days. Yeah. Do you do you see a lot of young female comedians now on the scene that are starting to come up, or do you think the ratio? No, I haven't is... seen any. <laughs> we haven't made any any headway at all. We have not advanced the rights of female comedians as of yet. <laughs> well, I think it's different in the bigger cities, and certainly if you see more female comics, sure, that attracts more females to come out. Right. But like, it's either me or Brittany on the show, and if you miss one of us. You're doomed. That's yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, it's the hard thing of uh, it's and it's just weird because there's not we're not saying that the Calgary scene is like hostile to women or sure. minorities no, sure. or whatever. It's, it's just that when you know, it's just like people just having that small idea in the back of their head is like, oh, maybe I'll try this. Right. It, they, sometimes you just need to see someone who's like you up there to be like, hey, oh, maybe I could do this. Right. 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 The only way I thought I could ever do it is because I saw Amanda. Otherwise, I was like, no, no way. But I was like, oh, there's a girl that's like me out there. Maybe Doing I can it. try it. Yeah. Tell me about your first time on uh, stage. Where where was it at? And it was, was at Comedy Monday Night in right. City. It's a very intimidating crowd in a certain sense because it's kind of a legendary room. Yeah. I mean, I think the room there kind of knows what's going on. So right. they're very supportive. Yeah. Uh, and they give you like a little bit of extra grace if they know it's your first time. Right. And I was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of shots and, of courage before you went up? Yeah, I mean, if you saw where I was three years ago, I was, like, I'm horrible at stage fright. I was up there, like, reading off a piece of paper, just, like, shaking. Right. So, wow. it took me, like, yeah, it took me, like, a month to even put the piece of paper down and not read it off the paper. <laughs> what about you, Alan? What was your first time on stage? Uh, you know, yuck, when I started, uh, Yucks had this summer program where uh, comics would come and uh, uh, every week for four hours uh, you'd work with a headliner, work on material, work on jokes. No way. So that's where I said, and that was a great like like booster rocket to comedy sure. in terms of just like, you know, working out material. I mean, the, the crappy thing was you're working out material in front of comics. Right. But the great thing is like, since if you're new and the material's good and you're getting a laugh, it's like you, you get to penetrate through that. Right. You know, comic cynicism right yeah. and so that was good um, and then of course when you hit your first real show and just uh, again getting it in the face <laughs> right just just people stepping on your face <laughs> oh come on man you guys both get a ton of laughs you're great great talents was that was that confidence I mean obviously Amy you spoke about being a, you know a little little nervous for the first to get a little wasted but that seems to be I know, like, the first time I ever went up, I had to have a couple of drinks. I had to kind of calm the nerves a little bit. And I think that seems to be kind of a common thing. Um, but on the dark side of things, that also can become a habit for a lot of comedians in this lifestyle of always feeling the need to party and always feeling the need to kind of be around. And do that. Have you ever felt that pressure being an amateur to kind of stick around and party with uh, the headliners and, and kind of get your uh, get your, your name and your, your, your kind of uh, your, your, uh, your presence out there? I started comedy in my late twenties as a father, so I was like, I'm always exhausted. I can't believe how 
I, like at night, I can't believe there are late shows at ten thirty yeah. that I have to do time for. Or if I'm middling somewhere, I got to stay up to ten. I'm like, I want to go to bed after like nine. So like halfway through my set, I usually want to go to sleep. My first set, I just it boggles my mind that people have the energy to like laugh and. Well, let's talk about yeah. that for a second because you're you're dad, yeah, and uh, you got a family, full on family, in the whole nine yards. How hard is that to balance? It was really hard. I don't know when I first started. Um, you know, I was so so in love with comedy, and we were just new parents. So we, my wife had no idea like how things were going to go, mm-hmm. and I was out every night, just just doing it for months. Right. Until my we really, you know, my wife was like, I can't do this alone. Right. So it's just that negotiation, and she knows, you know, she's supportive, and you know, I, I usually I can get out three times a week. Mm-hmm. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, especially for a scene like Calgary and. Uh, um, so you know it, that's that's uh, how, how you kind of have to do it. It's it's hard. I know people who, you know, it's when you're starting uh, as a comic when you have family. It, it's it's uh, you know it's such a sacrifice. Sure. You know when you go out and you bomb for 15 minutes in front of a drunken crowd and you're just like, great, I miss my daughters. Like, right. Right. Like That's grade tough. one graduation for this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember doing a really shitty room and just being like, it was like the first day my daughter went to went to school for you know first time in grade two, right? And I wasn't there to put her to bed because I had to go you know get abused by you know, <laughs> some surly crowd, surly crowd, yeah, <laughs> just, just like. And just like, and it's just hard to deal with those questions. <laughs> like, see, that, so I'm at a stage where when you're in your when you're older and you have a family, it's just like every night is just like, is this worth it? Yeah. And it's just barely it. It's barely worth it every night to go. <laughs> yeah, okay, I guess I can go out the next night. But but, uh, but 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 how how hard is that though? Because obviously you you've got you've got great presence on stage. You've got hilarious comedy, and. You've got somewhat of a following in Calgary, as far as people know who you are. They let's be honest here. <laughs> people know who I yeah. People know who you are. People I've, we, I, I've done shows with you before, and people yeah. people laugh at your yeah, stuff. Thank you. What's because I think a big question for a lot of the amateur uh, comedians of it, because I mean for myself, I always think in, in terms of you consider yourself amateur until you're doing it for a living or you're getting paid to do it on a yeah. regular basis. And is that how you kind of define amateur as opposed yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, I still think of myself as amateur even though I do get paid for gigs and I, and I do middle and... and uh, but you still have a full-time job. I still have a full-time job. I think the economics of comedy, especially in Canada, I don't know how you can do this without... Having, most of the headliners, have to, have most headliners have full time jobs sure. and do comedy, right? Like, right. there's this great comic uh, in Vancouver. I won't say his name. He's a headliner, but he's like a full time high school teacher, and he he tours in the summer and winter because there's you know the not break, enough like the break, right? Like right. that's just I think that's crazy. I think. Um, so what does that mean for you as a as a father, as somebody who's coming up, you know, in the in the comedy game? Is that something that you look at it and say, okay, there's going to be a ceiling at some point, or is that something you're going to be like, okay, we're going to need to pack up the family and move and take uh, this chance? You know, I think eventually maybe, but right now with the economy and the way it is, it's just like it'd be irresponsible of me to to be like, hey, let's live out of a van and now go work <laughs> at a Starbucks and make ten dollars a but show. But no, no, but I mean, but there's cities in which I mean, you could survive anywhere, right? So I, guess so. I mean, in essence, I guess the question would be. 
Um, can you do what you do in Vancouver or Toronto where there's a bigger opportunities for you? Or do you think that if you master your craft here, they're going to come eventually for you? Uh, I feel like I, I will eventually have to move because uh, my daytime job is I'm in advertising. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver and, and Toronto also just make more sense sure. for those markets. But, you know, I don't mind staying here and uh, working on my craft. My wife's family's here. They, they look after the kids a lot, too. They help out, so. yeah. So I, I can only do comedy because of them. So right at the, at the level I am now. So right, right. I don't know. It's weird starting comedy so late. You know, it just feels like I don't have that naive, naive you know, being naive enough when sure. younger, being like everything is golden. I'm gonna be the next Louis C.K. I don't have that energy, but I'm smart enough to like realize um, wh- why I'm in this. Right. I'm not in this to become famous or. Or even to make people laugh. But I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, you never want to go see a comedian who's like, I don't care about that making people laugh. No, but it's just, you know, I've got to make, i got to get what I get out of it personally. Sure. I love writing jokes. I love telling jokes. Uh, I love being on stage when I'm on stage. So that has to be enough for now. And right. I think that's the hard thing. You know, I, there's so many comics you I meet who are amateurs who start in their... 30s, their 40s, and they always they feel like they should just give up right away, and I just feel like you just have to realize you have to be in it for more than just fame, and and more than in it for even the drug of comedy. Right. I think it's so hard to to create something. Yeah, you have a body of work you can look back on and be proud of. I right. Think. Well, I mean, that's the reason. Yeah. How much time do you spend? Are you one of those uh, comedians, Amy? That that uh, just it's obvious because a lot of your, your your humor is is about your own life and and your own experiences and stuff like that. Is that are you like an observational comic where you see something funny or something funny happens to you and you whip out your phone and you write it down, or, or do you take time out of your day to actually sit down and write? I wish I could say I spent a lot of time writing, but probably not. Like I put it in my phone, and then right. if somehow something reminds me of it again, I might touch right. on it. But. Uh, these days I'm thinking about more about topics that are important to me right? as opposed to just, you know, whatever's out there. Right, right. What that's, about you, Alan? Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's what I love about Amy and why I think she's an important voice in the scene because it is from such a specific perspective that you don't hear very much. You know, I feel Amy is her own person mm-hmm. and you definitely get a sense of that uh, on stage and, and and uh, when I listen to Amy, I'm just like, I, I'm not going to hear this from anybody else. Right. This is so specific. And unique. And, and, and unique, yeah. and I'm hoping to make her cry right now. I think I'm going to make it. We're almost there. We're almost there. She's going to cry. Yes. <laughs> how, does that, how does that feel to be talked like that about from your peers in the comedy community? Very flattering, considering I suffered a harsh defeat earlier <laughs> 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 this evening. <laughs> I, I've I've gotten I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that have been involved in competitions and and uh, and just their experiences in the comedy game, the comedy world, the business, and and, and so forth. And uh, a lot of people aren't overly fond of comedy competitions. It seems like. Well, I think I was saying Amy before it's unfair to her only because her character is so different. Her voice is so different that people have to adjust in a contest. So when sure. you only have five or six minutes, uh, that first two minutes, which sounds like, you know, from an audience maybe that you're not doing well, is just people adjusting. Right. You know, learning about her. And, and, and I think the fact that they connect her by the end it speaks volumes to how, how good and how powerful um, 
the material is from Amy. So mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like in a contest setting, it just it just doesn't. Also, work it's as well. subjective. Right. Yeah. Comedy is totally subjective, and even though you can say like everybody on the show tonight had a great set, mm-hmm. I mean that little difference might just be personal taste. On sure. Part. Absolutely. Are there people in this business right now that you guys look up to, or do you have to have the confidence to feel like? I need to be just as confident as a person I'm going up and, and I'm following or the person I'm opening for. Not to say that, you know, to get, you know, a big head about you and to say, oh, you know, I'm just as good as the headliner or whatever. But there, obviously with comedy, there has to be a certain amount of confidence in, in your material and your presence on stage and in front of the crowd. Um, are there still people, though, that you keep to yourself as far as people that you look up to, people that mentor you in this business? The reason I ask is because uh, it was, I don't know, a few weeks ago, uh, when I came back to the green room, you were sitting down with Lori Gibbs and just talking right, about right, right. comedy and, and, you know, and obviously, you know, getting advice from, and I don't even know necessarily if it was a conversation was about advice or not, but, but just being able to have that relationship with somebody who's in a position where they're going out there and they're doing this thing as a full-time job or, or they're going out, you know, every weekend and, and doing, you know, sets and TV and stuff like that. Does that help at all? Or, or is that, is that something that, that you look to explore with, a lot of comedians or, or just a few that, that you feel comfortable talking to about it. I think it's great when there are headliners who are so willing to um, give their time, like Laurie. Sure. Or like uh, another favorite comedian of mine, Sean LaCumber up in Edmonton. Right. Dynamite. Uh, you yeah. know, he, he, he's always willing to talk and, and they have such humility and they realize, I, I think they also realize how difficult the journey is to, to stay motivated in comedy in, in Canada right. uh, can be difficult um, just because it feels like people in the States really care about comedy right now and mm-hmm. it's slowly starting to happen in Canada right um, so I, I think it's uh, uh, not all I think Calgary's weird in terms of there's so many headliners but we just don't see them that often mm-hmm. yeah because they're always traveling because they're always traveling Coming or, yeah. or uh, that was a good way because it sounded like I was talking shit you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you see thank you <laughs> but uh, when, you know but it, when you do see them they're always willing to talk and I think that's 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 great I, you know I've worked with it's weird because we say that like one, a comedian I, I got to work with I was very lucky to was Harry Kondabulu who is a great American headliner and he's really going places right now and uh, and it was interesting because he's a comedian who I I look up to only because um, he's a Southeast Asian comedian who talks you know he talks real shit in a way that makes people uncomfortable right but still gets laughed and that's I think that's where I want to get to mm-hmm. um, you know there are bits that I I'm not at that level yet I feel I'm working towards you know bits that can scare an audience mm-hmm. you know I've done bits that have put a room to complete silence right and all I hear are different places in the room going oh, Jesus Christ like I, <laughs> I remember doing a bit and just from three different places hearing three different <laughs> Jesus Christ and uh but, it, but is, is, is part of the is part of your love and your passion for comedy about taking risks and, and knowing that you might say something that they're not gonna yeah I think so I'm a very self-destructive person so I think that's why <laughs> comedy appeals to so me we're watching them unravel yeah to, to be so self-destructive and get people to like laugh like to be like you know go with you yeah it's so weird to be like oh i said that to upset people but they're on board but they're on board because (laughs) it's speaking to a deeper issue right talking about like revealing a deeper truth about inequality or 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 racial identity yeah um and so you know 
that's well I think is I think a lot of 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 your act too Alan is is uh is I th- I think like a lot of the success that I see with you is that uh you give people permission to laugh about uncomfortable things yeah and and stuff like race and and bringing up you know it's it's like uh you know it's but it's it's cuz you've seen a lot of like the tired acts of people going up and making fun of their weight and you know the kind of hacky stuff yeah. but you really come from a perspective of of uh of obviously uh, someone of ethnicity, and you give yeah. people f- things to laugh at that are funny yeah. about the race of being Asian. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's incredible, man. Like yeah, that, yeah, that's, like that's uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah I try to. Uh, I like it. Yeah. When you take a common premise right. and then just take it somewhere that's unexpected, sure. like somewhere you haven't heard before. Yeah, yeah, yeah cause, cause Amy, you had some jokes tonight that were just like I was in the back with Angie, we were just killing ourselves laughing, like the way that you take something that you just listen to a thousand times over the course of your life, but you never think of it in that term. You, you find a way to twist it and make it funny. That's yeah. that's a real gift. Like taking whatever prejudice you get in your life, and then instead of being like complaining about it or whatever, just take it to a whole different place right because i think both amy and i we, we talk about sometimes we hear those for me it's bad asian driver jokes right. that make me mad because it's just like i because they always end the same and it's just like yeah for me i just want to take that and twist it just yeah. take that and turn that weapon against uh expectations i guess right I know amy for you the same thing like something you hear just hear like some well, wacky misogynistic bullshit and you want to <laughs> yeah like that, that age-old lines, like, oh, we in the comics just talk about their periods, and I'm like, well, how can I write a joke about that Right, right. just somebody's never heard before? Right, right, yeah. right. But it works, and it, and it, you do well with it. Yeah. Even though you said you you suffered a crushing defeat this year. <laughs> you know, I think, I, th- I, I think it's great with Amy is that you hear it in the audience, the people who are laughing, it's the women who are really laughing, because right. it's just like, finally someone saying something that they've always been thinking about they've never quite heard, right? right and I think that's right. a very special kind of laugh. Yeah. When when people connect with you on that level, that personally. Like, someone's speaking for me. Yeah. And uh, you don't always get that in comedy. I think that's, that's what, what, like I said, what, why I think uh, Amy is such a great comic. Yeah, absolutely. Before I let you guys go, you know, obviously we talked about the, the career of comedy. And, and the reason why I focus so much on that is because in talking to, to comedians that, that uh, consider themselves amateurs or have the label of amateurs, even though you guys are very well experienced and, and you know you do very great on stage and, and you've got these bits that are very well polished and very well delivered and, and very, very funny. The one thing that comes up a lot in interviews is this is a lifetime of work. This is something that it's like uh, you mentioned like you know people like Louis CK and stuff like that. There's people that are just beginning to understand Netflix specials on comedy and discovering people like Louis CK like oh I've been watching a show for 3 or 4 years. He's been doing this show for 20 25 years, <laughs> right. right? This has been a this is a lifetime. And a lot of the uh, you know like even we talked about the economics of comedy and and you know I've talked to people that said yeah it took me 10 years to get to this spot. Is that something that you see yourself? I mean, obviously, nobody wants to spend look at their life and say, "Okay, I mean, ten years of of honing my craft." But do you see that as this is what you've signed up for, and this is what's expected, and as far as comedy of, of having to put in that much time in that many years? Uh, Five years is—I mean, that's it's not something to long. shake at. Man. It's too long. 
I'm in too deep now. It's five years. Yeah, you're still turning quit, back. Yeah, I should have quit year three. <laughs> it, that's easier to explain to a child of why you missed all these events. Five years in, I've got to I've got to now show her why Daddy hasn't been around. That's that's so I got to really. That's for me. I've got to make it worth that. So. At least, you know, when she gets older and gets married, she's like, well, Dad told a really it good... It made sense. Dad told a really good dick joke, so I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm really running for now. So just really got to Something to show for it. Yeah. Something to show for it. But, but, I mean, is that is that something that, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, like a lot of comedians will, will, will venture out, they'll put their toe in the water, and then, hey, you know, two, three years I've been doing this, not paying the bills and not, you know, more time away from home and stuff like that. But is that something you feel like you need to you need to do in order to get to that next level? I think you have to. I think that's what I love about comedy. It's based on merit. Right. Hi, You've guys. got to... Hey, Becky. We'll see you next week, Sounds good. Podcast cameo. That's right. <laughs> Becky's on the podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, comedy is such a... It's a meritocracy, and that's what I love about it. It's not... You can't just be... You can't just have, like a rich dad and expect people to laugh at you, sure. right? Like, it just doesn't work that way. You've got right. to prove you have the goods and you can make it. You can make people laugh, and I think that's that's why, I mean, I, I, I appreciate yeah. that. I yeah. also think comedy, like, it doesn't plateau. Like, the longer you do it, the more you will keep getting better. So, right. yeah, you'll want to keep doing it for ten years because you're just going to keep getting better. Right, right. I mean... Assuming that you're self aware, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because you, like, you can you know, go through life self aware enough yeah. to realize. Yeah. yeah. And then does that does that happen? With, how do how do you get held accountable for stuff that that you don't that you find doesn't work? Does that do you hold? Does your peers hold, hold you accountable and say I don't think that bit worked? Is it writing partners? Is it finding out just from I, the audience reaction? Like I how do you know you're onto something? Are usually like the hardest on themselves first. Yeah. yeah. So like anyone who's like, yeah just you know who's has a future in it will be able to look back and be like whoa that sucked why did it suck right right yeah. right i think you know it, people always it's like there's this ira glass the producer yeah American, sure he always talks about when you first start out you're a fan and so because you're a fan you're so critical in yourself because you can't you're you know you're there's such a wide gap between what you are and what you love right but it's just working towards that right i yeah. think that's it's, I think, you know, that's what we appreciate in other comics, and we see, and we try to help each other out. They're the comics who feel like they always kill, and mm-hmm. they think they're the greatest, and those people are, there's no helping them. Right, You know, they're right. always going to be, uh, they're always, yeah, they're always going to tell that shitty Kevin Federline joke that people are like, come on. <laughs> 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 never going to no one, he is not going to become more relevant. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we just hope we don't become those people, right? <laughs> So. Well, from watching you guys, obviously, I've known you guys now for every couple of years now, and uh, I, I'm a true believer that uh, you guys are definitely rising, rising stars in the, in this game. And, and thank you guys for sitting down with me and chatting it up. It means a lot. And uh, what's up next? How can people find you, Alan? You got a you're on Twitter. You're you're not a social media hound. Uh, no, I I I've got to find you. Yeah, this is, this at, is crazy. Actually, laughable, and I barely tweet now because. Uh, um, 
The real reason is because I discovered that when you apply for jobs, people will Google search you, sure. and your Twitter comes up really quick. And one of the first two, first, right? Yeah. People read a joke, they're like, "I don't think this guy's appropriate for <laughs> office." So, that joke will not so go what's over so well. funny is that lately I've really slowed down on Laid it because on the... now that I'm a contractor, I really need people to like trust me. So, <laughs> so follow my Twitter. Until uh, I can uh, really devote myself to comedy and not give a shit what other <laughs> that, uh, co- corporations hinders your hiring me. practices. Yeah. Oh man, Amy, what about you? How can people find you? Uh, yeah, on Twitter at Amy underscore Bug. Awesome. I get on there sometimes. I mean, it's not too gross. <laughs> <laughs> Prospects are looking good for Amy. Yes. <laughs> I mean, once in a while, there's a little surprise in there, yeah. but. Hopefully they don't dig too deep. Right, you, you keep your corporate overlords happy. They're like, oh, that, she's a good soul. All she's... the gross stuff was three years ago. Well, we just made it under the 30-minute mark, folks. 29 minutes, which is a, a, a new record for me because I usually go over. So, uh, again, thank you guys so much. We're going to put the links up on how to find you guys. And uh, I, as a personal fan, that's why I asked you guys to come and sit down just because, I, like I said, I think you guys are tremendous talent. So I look forward to seeing you guys perform again. So thank you very much for coming. Well, thanks so much, Jack. You're, you're Appreciate that, man. Appreciate you hear that? I got a, I got a, I got an approval from Alan Show. Show approval. All right, folks. There you have it. The Amy Bug and Alan Show interview. A couple of great rising stars. I cannot say enough uh, about them. Huge fans of these two. Check them out. We'll put the links up on the uh, on our uh, on our episode description. I don't know. Whatever. We'll put it up on the website. We'll put it up wherever the hell we can. Uh, look for them on Twitter. I follow them. Uh, and you can follow me at Jake Hirsch, EG, on Twitter. Hey, give us a shout-out. Uh, hashtag YYCP. Lots of cool interviews coming up, folks. Um, got some killer ones. I, more amateurs, more talking to people in the business. I got some ideas that I think I'm going to swing towards producer and uh, Kira and find out if we can make these happen. Anyway... I love you guys. Thank you for all the support. This has been amazing. Every week, it's getting better and better. On behalf of myself, your host, Jake Hirsch, and the entire crew at Yuck Yucks, of course, Mr. Mark Breslin, our executive producer, Kira Williams, of course, our webmaster, Camille Sorovi. I love Camille. She's dynamite. And I cannot forget my man, Lane Argue, the very talented uh, guitar player, musician, teacher, scholar, uh, lover, everything, uh, who lays down the acoustic tracks for this Dynamite podcast. we got custom music made by one of the industry's greats. Check him out, Lane Argue. His information is on the description as well. All right, folks, great interviews coming up. Thank you for having me. See you next week. <laughs>